0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Freelance Friday podcast. I am here today with Nina Zeta, who is actually one of my new kind of internet friends, um, one of my accountability buddies. She's a fellow Thinkific course creator and she has a really, really cool company called Sidewalker Daily. So I am really excited to bring her to you all. I get so many questions about influencer marketing and I just am not a pro and she absolutely is. So welcome Nina.
1: Hi, I'm so excited to do this, especially like this year has been great meeting you and like loving everything you do and now being on your podcast. So thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. So tell us about Sidewalker Daily. What does Sidewalker Daily do? How'd you get it started? Give us some of yeah. the details.
1: Yeah, that's, and it's funny because we made up our name, like literally the word Sidewalker is a term that we coined. So people always be like, why, what is Sidewalker Daily? And I'm like, well, there's a long story. So we'll give you guys the short one. Um, sidewalker Daily has been really in the pulse of influencer marketing, I want to say since 2016. That's kind of when we we came to be. Uh, we really, a little bit like you, Latasha, worked on the brand side, corporate background, Um working and consulting for PR agencies, helping them understand the value of influencers before really the boom, right? So I think we saw a big shift in the influencer marketing space in 2020 with the pandemic, but before brands were still understanding, is this something we want to invest in? Is this something we want to do? So working on the client side, on the brand side, we were really able to get our feet wet and get in some really good campaigns, helping our brand clients develop influencer marketing campaigns in all industries and all niches but with that happening and being in like the brand space you know having my mba being like um you know my own marketing agency loving educating i found that there was a little bit of a space in the market for creator business acumen maybe i don't know what the right word but like teaching creators the business side i think that was it because just being on the client side and brand side being like wow these creators are amazing they have these audiences they produce, you know, positive ROI for my clients. They're so talented, but I found like their negotiation skills or maybe even their pitching skills or how they were pricing themselves. Like there was, there was a lack, you know? And I'm like, well, I guess there is no like creator school or like things of that. Yeah. Nature. So We always say we're like on both sides of the creator equation, influencer equation. I use those words interchangeably. Um, being that we started on brand side, we still consult for our brand clients, but we also now are really focused on helping creators pitch to brands, monetize, think about their businesses as a business, right? So that's kind of a little bit of where we are and how we got started.
0: Amazing. I love it. And I love that you bring up like influencer versus creator. I feel like we all have different words for it, but they're all kind of, you know, it's one in the same. Um, I'll go with whatever people want to call me, I guess. <laughs> I, <laughs> one of the questions I hear a lot from my audience is like, is it too late to start? being an influencer or a creator uh, because you know some of the most successful people have been at it for a long time or they were you know really there when like YouTube first started or Instagram first kind of hit so like what are your thoughts on that um can can you still make money and still do this if you want to get started today
1: yeah i think one of and that's a great question and i get that a lot too i think you need to always look at the data and look at where the industry is going and i'm you know being kind of a numbers gal myself like when I see stats that just this year, over 50 million people consider themselves a creator, that, that statistic is in our industry. When we see the influencer marketing industry being valued at, you know, $16 billion within 2022. And where that number is going, when we see companies that are getting $800 million valuations and yeah, right. um, investments from VCs in the influencer marketing space, my answer is no, it is not too late. But what's what I do think is happening is that we're redefining a lot of terminology, right? So like, Let's start with some basics. I think when I talk about influencer versus creator, just to kind of set a little bit straight, I see influencers almost like media distribution of um, eyeballs, right? Impressions, clicks, metrics, all that. And then I also see creators being able to have influence, of course, but then there are some creators that are just, you know, they're more like the artist, the medium, the person that they've always existed and they always will, right? So influencer was really born with social. Um, So... In terms of it being too late, um, the answer is obviously no, because now we're seeing dentists use social media to be their own creators. Or I don't know if you follow like dentist TikTok or like doctor TikTok or like all like realtors are creators now. Every brand,
0: it's flight attendants.
1: Flight attendants. That's a big one. (laughs) So the whole the whole thing is is that we used to I used to be like creators you are brands but now I'm like brands you are creators like the worlds Mm -hmm. are mixing and mushing (laughs) that's a made up word but the (laughs) word the worlds are just combining and social is the new virtual shopping mall it's how you get seen right so maybe you're trying to push you know your brick and mortar business or maybe you're an influencer pushing your audience I I don't think it's too late for anyone to engage in what they probably already do. And it's funny, Latasha, I don't know if you would agree, but I think on social, when you see like behavior, there's people who like post, and then there's the people who watch and then maybe the people do both. But like, personally, I always joke, I'm like, oh yeah, like I post for business, but like in my personal life, I'm like more of a, like a watcher, you know, like I yeah. like comment, but I'm not like posting my personal stuff. Um, and I think the shift is happening when people ask, is it too late? Because they're in that mindset of, Oh, I just watch others do it. Like, but I myself, why would I do that? You know, and they don't know where their role is. So um, the market's really booming. It's exciting. There's so much tech. There's so much um, signals. My last little point on those that feel like, Oh, it's too late. Like when Instagram launches a creator fund for like a billion dollars, it's a big sign that it's not too late. It actually shows where it goes. Like every time Instagram releases a new creator, tool to monetize i'm just like ding 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 like mm-hmm. you know, all the alerts that, that that actually motivate me and and telling people that the, the time is now you know the time yeah. is now
0: i love that and just like to add on to that i mean i have friends who just started being content creators you know this year and have more followers than me because they were early on the tiktok train or whatever you know so um yeah Absolutely. i definitely think there's space depending on what you want to do. Speaking of that, like, I'm curious too, because I know, I know you've worked a lot with travel companies and things like that. And like tourism mm-hmm. boards, do you feel like there is a particular niche that might be maybe more lucrative than others? Like if somebody were looking to start creating, is there a space that that you feel like is more lucrative?
1: I think again, it comes to the data, like the influencer marketing hub, they just released a benchmark report and there are different verticals or like passion and beauty. And then like, I don't know, another one. And I think travel is the third vertical, like, in third place. Um, But I don't necessarily know. I I think I would have said, yes, there's these typical broader niches, lifestyle niches, you know, in that space. But, like, again, when a realtor is now partnering with, you know, um, creating real TikTok content or YouTube videos, And they're partnering with brands. I mean, it's really just changed my perception. Some of my most successful creators that I've helped pitch to brands are nurses. Like nurses, or I have a furniture maker. He like literally just makes custom furniture. And now he tells me that his, you know, work with brands is more in one week than he made in a
0: a year. So it's like- Oh my gosh, that's amazing.
1: So it's, I know people want to know like, what niche is it for me? But like, I've seen- literally every niche I've worked with scholarship, um, creators on TikTok, like they're promoting how to get scholarships. Like, I don't think I have a mermaid. I mean, I mean, literally I've seen it all. So I I don't think there is now we need to be in these traditional categories, but Mm -hmm. it's really about, um, develop, you know, giving value to your audiences.
0: I I love that. Yeah. I love that. Like, I think like we're in the
1: entrepreneurship niche. Arguably. Exactly. And Now like we work with brand. I mean, we're like the, we're yeah. like the perfect example.
0: Yeah. No, I love that. And it, cause it's like, you have to do what makes sense for you. I mean, I know that might sound so cliche, but it's like, If I go out and try to be a beauty creator or a travel creator, like, and that's not true to me, that's not authentic to me and my lifestyle, it's not, there's gonna be a disconnect. Like, you're gonna be able to tell that I'm kind of pretending or trying to fit into this mold to make money, as opposed to I'm really passionate about helping entrepreneurs. So it comes across really naturally.
1: And you know what is also really great? And so my, just to like quickly just preface, like my passion specialty signature sauce right now is helping creators pitch. So you'll hear me reference that a lot. I love teaching creators how to pitch to brands, how to be like their own, you know, create their own business identities and pitch and all that good stuff. But what's interesting is that you can pitch outside of your niche, right? So like Mm. it's, we don't have to now only pitch like me and you arguably, in the entrepreneur marketing niche, like There are editorial ways for us to get pulled into other campaigns that aren't just within the scope of the things that people come to our channels for, you know, your YouTube channel or my YouTube channel. And we're seeing a lot of like, I don't want to say cross-pollination, but just like pitching outside of our niches. Like we're seeing it happen because they're done in really creative ways. And an example I'll give is like, let's just say there's a mom blogger and she's going to be pitching a KitchenAid you know blender she's going to talk about it from the microphone of you know as a stay-at-home mom i'm here with the kids like we're making like i don't know fresh something smoothies me yeah. and you are going to talk about it in a different way like as women who work you know 12-hour days we need to be able to like um make quick things to go on the go like we're yeah. going to be able to talk about the blender it's just like in a different microphone than maybe mm-hmm. a more blogger or fitness blogger like we can all talk about the blender It's just, how are we talking about it,
0: right? Yep. I love that. I'm manifesting a travel partnership because I want to do like a retreat, like a writing retreat or something. Like, I feel like I could totally do that, you know, from the business angle. So what,
1: and exactly. So when we think about that pitch, it's like, okay, how do we go to that brand partner and say, Hey, I have an audience of, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe people with higher disposable income who Mm -hmm. are not only going to come on my trip, but when they see us post about it you know, yeah. can understand that your resort is great for solitary, like getting creative work done. I mean, it's just thinking about yeah. it in this way. Right. So yeah,
0: you're good at this. I love it. So you kind of tied into my next question to pitch or not to pitch. Like, again, this is a question I get all the time. Do people, um, should we be going after brands? Should we be just build, building up our audience and waiting for them to come to us? Like, what are your thoughts on that? And specifically, is there a certain threshold? Like, is there a, like a follower count or an engagement rate that you should wait till you get to before you start reaching out to brands?
1: Yeah, no, that's a great question. So I'm gonna answer that one sec. The first part of your question was to pitch or not to pitch. Okay, yeah. so I'm gonna tackle that one first. So it's interesting to me um, because obviously I have a pitching to brands master course. So I really do teach about the, the, the necessity of, going out there and like putting yourself out there, knocking on the doors you miss hundred percent of the shots. You don't take type of energy. Like you literally never know. So like never. leaving money on the table, I'm very pro pitch, but I also think that it does come with a certain level of confidence that, that no one, that is not a follower account thing. That is just a headspace thing. Like I have mm-hmm. creators with a thousand followers or a creator that had 3000 followers at the time, get a $20,000 brand deal with a tourism board, $3,000. So like, amazing. that is some mindset. Like I'm going to knock on doors. We also have a mini course, which is how to get brands to notice you. And I kind of think this is is like a stepping stone course. It's for those that don't want to actively pitch, but like want brands to reach out to them. They're still not fully in that headspace. Um, But I would, I a hundred percent believe that you don't know unless you don't, you know, you try type of vibe. And I'm always going to to encourage the creators that are looking to work with brands to pitch. But here's a thing, Latasha, that I think is super important and something that I just kind of like in general. I don't think it's my job to get someone to believe in themselves. So a lot of the times that's just like not my role in the space. There's really great motivational coaches out there and people who can like get you feeling like you're on cloud nine. My whole shtick is kind of like, if you want this, and you already know you want to monetize this way, I will help you get there. So it's hard because I'm not very like, hand, like I don't handhold in the, you can do it like type of energy <laughs> where I'm already like, if you want this, like, let's do it. To, like, I'm going to give you all of me, but like, you have to like, want this energy. And that's exactly. why the followers, people that come into my program with a thousand followers, 2000 followers, they want it, they don't care. But mm-hmm. let's talk about numbers and threshold and all of that. Cause I do think it's important. So as a creator, you, We'll have to kind of in the very beginning when you're first starting, kind of decide what are you pitching with, what foot are you leading with. And when I say that, I mean are you pitching content and you're going to a brand and saying, "Hey, I can create content for you, whether it be reels or TikToks or videos for your account, blog content for your account, whatever." That doesn't need a follower count. That just needs some good, solid skills. Like I don't know if you've seen those like really cool like reels and things of that nature. That's just content yeah so for me, there's no follower count in that. If your stuff looks good, if you have a portfolio of work, you know a good looking media kit that shows your your scope of work, what you can do, I don't think we need numbers. Now if you're pitching influence, what you're saying to the brand is, I have the audience that you want mm-hmm. and my audience trusts me. therefore I'm the funnel that is going to talk about your messaging to my human. Yeah. So if you're pitching influence, I always tell creators. Do you have influence? Like, is there a way for you to kind of measure the clicks or the ways that people jump when you tell them to, when I say jump, it's figuratively, but like, is there some sort of conversion that you're able to show? And the best way to do that is testing your influence. So if you are like, Hey, I think I have the, I think I have the human, right? Have the, the the audience that this brand would be perfect for. If you're going to pitch influence, it's not a numbers game. It's a conversion game are you able to get people to show up to a Zoom room or are you getting Mm. people to subscribe to a newsletter? And if you don't know, fake test it, make it up, do your own giveaway, do your own, like see how many people signed up to a newsletter, your own newsletter after promoting it on your YouTube channel. And you're like, oh, 150 people signed up. Like, you know, now you have some data that you can kind of feel confident in that pitch. Because again, a big part of the pitch is confidence. We don't talk about that enough, but it's like having the mindset of being like, actually brand you're mm-hmm. not doing any favors i'm not doing you any favors it's a win win like we are in business to help each other you have something i want i got something you want like let's make it happen you know
0: oh my gosh i love that because i recommend that for people looking to get started with service you know providing services too it's like if you want to be a social media manager create a cool instagram account about Makeup, or you know, whatever it is, like be your own kind of test dummy there. So, I think that's such a brilliant point about start a newsletter, have a you know, mastermind or something like invite people to a Zoom or an event and see if they actually go over there.
1: Use your own data to be like, oh, I did a giveaway and like 300 people signed up. Like, that's that's awesome. Like, I know a lot of my brand partners. Um, when I, on the brand side and you jumping over to the brand side, when we would do campaigns, we were looking for influencers to help grow the client's list. So they're like, Oh, subscribe to, you know, our newsletter. And that was the metric because when you run ads to grow your email list, you're looking at about maybe $5 an email. So like brands are thinking in this way, they're like, okay, instead of putting budget into ads, like maybe I can put it into this creator and she can help, like, or he can help me, you know, generate leads, whatever. So yep. I think that a lot of times when creators are pitching their influence and their audience, it's so important to know who your human is, like mm-hmm. who is it who is it that you know you're going to because when the when the brand wants that person or that demographic, like that's when you're golden because yep. you have what they want and those people actually trust you because it's all about trust, right?
0: Yeah. Love that. You you kind of spoke to this a little bit, but you know, which which analytics should you be paying attention to and reporting to when you are pitching, you mentioned like, um, you know, conversion rate, anything else, you know, I think we get so stuck on follower count. And I know that for me, that's like such a vanity metric, but what's important to you?
1: We all love it. Like we all love, like I just posted a TikTok before getting, like, as I was in the waiting room, I'm like, go, go. Um, I think at the end of the day, the brands need to see what, you they can't see just from looking at your screen right so like back in the day in 2016 2018 people were like follower count engagement rate like i don't think those are the things that are leading campaigns right now again brands want to be able to see other metrics um, especially when you're pitching so i strongly suggest that every creator needs to have a media kit um, where they can showcase this sort of information when you're pitching influence and you're saying hey like this is, you know, my newsletter. This is my open rate. This is like my click through rate on my YouTube, you know, channel. Um, my average things like that. I think when it comes, every platform is so different because people that are listening to us today, Latasha, and it's really something that I find happening often. People want to clump it into one. Are we talking Instagram? Are we talking TikTok? Are we talking YouTube? Are you like, what are we? Because depending on the platform that you're at, there's a wealth of metrics that you can dig within. So one thing I always tell creators is the importance of doing the digging, right? So Mm -hmm. thinking of numbers cumulatively is a great way to kind of share a metric. So if you have followers across like three different platforms, if you're like, oh, I have, you know, a cumulative following of X, this is like adding up that number. Or if you are sharing with a brand, um you know, maybe if you're pitching and like, this is talking about pitching and getting a brand's attention, um, not in reporting, but in getting their attention, you know, you may want to say, what were your cumulative TikTok views for the last 30 days? TikTok mm-hmm. gives you that information. You go over to creator tools, analytics, you look at last 28 days, you're going to see your views. I was shocked. I'm like, Oh my God, we had 300,000 views in a month. I have $2,000 on TikTok. Like oh that's, God, that's amazing. So you want to like, look at things in that 30 day scope. Even on YouTube, we have you know, 21,000 subscribers, which if I was to pitch with that, maybe a brand would be like, oh, like they're starting, but we've had what, 5 million lifetime views. So like finding those lifetime views or finding those 30 day views, like these cumulative numbers, what were your average monthly impressions on your Instagram page? Um, So thinking about things like that in a bigger way helps creators when they're pitching, Um, but also something to note that I think is important when it comes to reporting, There are metrics that I think show that your content will live a little bit longer. So a lot of my brain clients want to work with Instagrammers and TikTokers, YouTubers as well. So there's no like hate on anyone, (laughs) Um, but we look for different things on different platforms. So like, for example, on Instagram, like we love saves and we love because it gives a post a longer shelf life. So for example, if you save a piece of content, this is actually an indicator that you're going to come back to it. And because maybe it was super valuable, it listed like things to do, whatever. So that's a really interesting metric. Brands don't get to see that unless you like share that. On TikTok, you can see the shares. Same thing. I saw like my videos on TikTok get shared a bunch. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we would have known that unless we went in and like looked at like, oh, what are our monthly shares to be able to go to a brand and say, hey, actually look at these shares. Like my content's shareable, like people enjoy it. They want to share it with their friends. Um, and again, like those are the things that kind of require that business mindset, like getting the creators to think of, about themselves more as a business and less as a like, here are my followers. And like, these are the likes because we're, past mm-hmm. that. The creators are like literally ki- financially killing it and being their own businesses. So we're, we're, we're past the days of followers and likes. Like we got to dig deeper, you know?
0: Yeah. And you have to like be an analyst, you know, and be able to sort of massage that data in a way that is relevant to the brand. You don't want to just print off your analytics. Here you go, brand, like tell, make it tell a story. I mean, that's the I, same thing for social media management.
1: Yeah. And that's ex- what, what thing, and I'm sure you can relate to this is that report. Like, let's talk about that report. I'm sure you guys, you know, with your social media managers, you're saying, Hey, show the client, like, this is what we got for the month. Right. Yep. It's the same thing as a creator. If you're able to show your brand client, like this is a report, not print screens of all my back ends, but like this is a report, how the yeah. content did and use that as a leveraging tool to pitch a bigger job, a bigger idea, not a one and done partnership. Cause those yeah. are the ones that just kind of fade. But when we're looking to add this as a revenue stream, like we need brands that are partnering with us for a three month block or six month yeah. block or things like that. So that reporting is important to show also your professionalism but also like your
0: value for sure and to add on to that like your audience needs those repeat uh sponsors too because i know it takes me a while you know before i i hear a brand name or i hear about a company before i actually take action so it really is a win win to be selling like those packages and have those long term relationships
1: yeah we call that the recall posts right so we'll be like to your audience like in three months or six months like so that they remember because I think a lot of people have a misconception about influencer marketing it's a magic wand you're gonna like put an influencer is gonna post something and your business is gonna be shut down and it just does not work that way you know um, to your point it takes nurturing um, mentioning multiple times to really kind of drive that messaging in and it's setting those like also like expectations with the brands that you're working with that's why it's nice to have like those longer those longer working
0: packages, so to speak. Absolutely. You mentioned quickly, um, just for anyone who doesn't know, you mentioned media kits. And I know that you talk about that, you know, in depth in your programs, but can you just give us like a little 101 on what a media kit is for those that don't know?
1: Yes, absolutely. So I call the media kit the visual resume. So back in the day when you would apply to jobs, you would have your resume and it was a one or two pager and you know it was Very full of text, as it should be, of what you are capable of. But in the creator world, we need to be able to show our work. We need to be able to show what we can do for you. Um, So a media kit is meant to be, a for us, a, well, one, revenue-generating assets, a document. But it's supposed to be making you money because it's supposed to be what you use as a pitching tool. It's almost like if you started a business, you need like materials to get new business. Right. And I think when creators start looking at themselves as businesses and the brands that they're trying to pitch to as clients, and you know, you need something to share your work a little bit about you, those metrics content that you've done. So in terms of a media kit, well, for one, our, our YouTube channel, we have so many videos on this topic, but the media kit is meant to be a comprehensive visual document that shares the work that you do and the value that you can give to a brand partner Um, in terms of what to quickly include. You know, we definitely want an about in there. Quick, people are skimmers, not a lot of reading, guys. No one reads everything. Um, And the funny thing about the about is like, I'll have creators in my program and they're like, I was a teacher in Wyoming and then I fell in love with, I'm like, no, like the brand does not need to know the backstory. Lean on your audience, you know, lean on your content pillars and your niche. Like, who, when you're writing your about, because it's in your media kit, it's not to your audience, it's to the brands you want to work with. So that's just like a little thing to consider. And then okay. yes, including your metrics, like the ones that aren't visible on the front end, cumulative stats, past partnerships, if you have, if you don't, that's okay. You can have um, a page where you share your sample content. So for you, Latasha, it would be like, These are some of maybe my best performing YouTube videos and the content that I like talk about and making it clickable. So the brand partner can quickly, quickly go and see you on camera and how you present. Um, You can include a services page if you want, or there's, there's no one way to make a media kit, right? There's um, the key word I would say is visual because the really what you want is someone to get your media kit and kind of lean over to the person and be like, hey, hey, Sarah, look, look at this, like, wow, Mm -hmm. this person looks like legit, you know, and I think graphic design and branding, like, you could just go, you can go on Canva and build an amazing presentation about yourself, right? And it just gets people to kind of be like, huh, media kits are no longer an option. They used to be in 20, you know, where we are now, they are like a standard um, for as a pitching tool.
0: Amazing. And I didn't mention this in the beginning, but Sidewalker Daily does have a YouTube channel. So, of course, that will be linked. Um, I'll definitely find some of the media kit episodes and link them. Oh, below yes. Too.
1: I have, like, long ones that literally say, like, oh, <laughs> this is what you want, and, like, what? You know, all the things. So. Nice.
0: Awesome. Okay, so big question. I know this is a tough one. <laughs> how, do you, how do you know what the heck to charge? <laughs>
1: like, oh, you know what? This is great. So, um, and I get this so much. So I will give you the big picture here. So, and you correct me when I'm wrong, but if I'm wrong, but I'm sure in the social media management world, people will be like, okay, well, how much is it for social media manager? And your response would probably be like, well, do you need me to just do Pinterest or is it Pinterest, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter? Like, do I need to respond to comments or are you going to respond? Like, are you providing the photos or am I shooting them? Like, so when we talk about pricing and influencer and creator marketing, I like creators to think about their businesses holistically. So for example, there is no rate, like what your rate is. It depends on what the brands want. So I'll give you an example. One, like a creator I'm working with, she works with brands in a variety of different ways. She produces content for them. She posts on her own page about them. And sometimes she stands in as talent, which means she doesn't even have to produce the content. Her and her family are like literally talent. They just show up. They already have like the production team already has like everything covered. As you can imagine, all those fees are different, right? If a brand comes to you and says, okay, no, 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 I just want sponsored content, I still think that there are fees that we need to discuss. Like, I've seen brands want exclusivity with an influencer for six months outside of outside of maybe a two-week norm, you know norm. Six months, and then what type of exclusivity? Like, are we talking maybe five competitors or an entire category, yeah. right? So, if you don't want me to ever work with like any other clothing brand, the the cl- the category of clothing, what does that fee look like? So, a lot of what we talk about in our um, in our pitching to brands master course, we go super deep into rates. Cause I think that we have to give examples of licensing. A photo is again, a very different fee than like a full-on photo shoot, or if you're, you know, influence. Um, one thing I can share for influence because people ask, there are different formulas people on the marketing side will use to value like impressions. So this is called like a CPM. So a CPM can be anywhere from $20, $30, $40 an impression, um, from 1,000 impressions. So those numbers are guiding points in terms of how to do the math. For me, that's just how I get like what the eyeball is worth. But mm-hmm. again, it's not enough because then I always think, okay, if let's just say Latasha shoots a video in her room or in her office saying, hey, work with this brand," it's very different if she's in Times Square doing a time-lapse showing an eight-hour day as an entrepreneur, like that production is a very different production cost. Again, something we need to consider in our rate. So I can't give you a one time, but I can help you think critically about how to price yourself. And one thing I always tell creators because this is like a sharp little ick, but um, oftentimes if you give your rate and a brand accepts it on the first time, a lot of times creators will be like, oh, like I got gypped or I should have asked for more, you know? We I hear that a lot. So expect negotiation. Expect yeah. it because let's just say you you want to make a certain amount of money. If that's the number that you offer and they bring you down, you're going to be like, mm, like, yeah. so like nego- negotiation is hard. I feel so bad for creators because they have to do everything like, <laughs> like salespeople will negotiate and create content, all the things. And that's why sometimes you bring people on your team to help you. But rule of thumb is I think, expect to negotiate. It's not scary. It's actually like the more you do it, the more you get to flex and kind of feel good. And, you know, but I would expect it. And that can help also when you are like reaching out to brands and sending your pricing and stuff.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's, that's great advice because, you know, I think the key there is that there are variables, like it depends. There is not, you know, you see some of these articles that are like, okay, if you have a thousand followers, you charge this much. And it's like, that's no. maybe a starting oh, yeah. point. But like, yeah. like, But yeah, there are so many different variables, like you it's said, like, and I it's, think that's
1: This important. question's hard for me, Latasha. I'm sorry to cut you off. This question's hard no, for me like, because when I'm on, like, I'm kind of like, if I'm on the brand side, it's different than I'm on the creator side. So everyone's always like, you're trying to be Switzerland. Like, you know, and <laughs> the, it really comes down to not how much you can get away with, but like you know, you don't know what the person in your desk job was able to negotiate for her deal, like her, you know, her salary, right? Like everyone gets paid differently based on different things. People just don't talk about it. And even if people want clarity around pricing, which of course, that would be great to have some sort of transparency. You know, if a brand is looking for a very specific look, like they would a model, I mean, maybe the, the pool is different, you know? So people charge for more, like in our niches, if you're in a very hyper, you know, small niche, you may be able to charge more because there's not as many, again, things to consider and the variables of it all.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love it. So um, we talked a little bit about repeat sponsors, sponsors. What are some things once you secure that brand deal, what are some things that creators can do to like increase their chances of working together again and really stand out and be a good partner to work with?
1: Yes, I love this because this is this this goes back to what we kind of opened up with, was which was my um, my love, I guess, or passion for trying to get creators to see themselves as businesses. Okay. And I think a lot of times in these partnerships, what will happen is the creator will post their deliverables and be like, "Thank you so much," you know, and and that's it. Maybe send a print screen of their analytics. Is this creator going to take about? you know, maybe 30 minutes more, an hour more to put together that recap report, ask the brand, Hey, could you get on a call? You know, I'd love to go mm-hmm. over like the campaign, any feedback, maybe the influencer is asking for a testimonial, you, you know, these little things that they may want to do to add to their media kit. But then what, like, how do we then to your question, keep that conversation going? And I think this is when the, I think this is part of the beauty of getting on a call. And going back to your brand partner and asking them, like, what are you guys working on this time? Like, I'd love to like, you know, set up a call, share with you guys, you know, maybe some ideas of things I'm I'm working on. One of the things when creators pitch, and this is one of the many strategies I cover in our course, but it's like, do you want to get a brand to sponsor something you are already working on? So like, let's just say you're already working on something or you have a I don't know, a series that you're launching and you're looking for a sponsor for this series. So like for you, Latasha, let's just say you're gonna be looking for, I don't know, you're gonna be doing 10 videos on your YouTube channel about tools, like resources. And maybe you you go to the sponsor with a concept in mind, with a vision in mind for a next idea. Um, Also, sometimes it's just getting on that call and listening, seeing what they're working on, seeing what's coming down the pipeline for them, how you can be a value, what do they need more of? Um, so as a business woman, man person, it's to take that lead in that recap, send those emails, get back on calls. And another fun tip that I love to share is just kind of like updating the brand, right? Like if something new has happened in your business and you want to share with them a new avenue, like let's just say you started TikTok and you have a new, you know, something new to offer them right? Or you hit a milestone on your YouTube page and you want to jump on a call and see, you know, whatever. It's important to go back to your hot leads because if they've paid you once, the chances of getting them to pay you again is a lot easier than pitching cold biz, right? So we have to focus on hot and warm leads. Um, when we are pitching to brands, going back to those clients and being a good person, if you work hard, you over deliver, you are memorable. You're easy to work with. They will remember you and people on the P- PR side jump around. So yes, go to different companies, you know, I I've, I've worked with the same sort of creators a bunch of times with my brand clients. Cause I'm like, I know this person will deliver quality work, trustworthy, you know, results, all of it.
0: Love it. Yeah. I think that is fantastic advice. And the last thing I want to ask you about is we we hear this term, I feel like this is like a newer term of the past year or so, you know, there's always like this marketing lingo, you hear creator economy, like people are very um, much talking about, you know, web three and how creators are going to fit into that. And like, owning versus working with brands and selling their own products. Like I said, we are both, you know, course creators ourselves as well. What are your predictions for the, the creator economy? Like, and what would you recommend for your creators that work with you? You know, do you think that they should be building onto this or, you know, instead of just relying on brand partnerships, any, any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. I think the biggest, and I think we kind of touched on this is like the biggest thing that I guess I predict or foresee is this blurring of brands now being creators and creators now being brands, um, because again that stat of fifty million people consider themselves creators. I'm sure by the, the next couple 10, five years, it's going to be like everyone's going to be a creator in some capacity, um, building and doing you know building their own um, building their own brands. It's really really interesting the how how things are shaping out in terms of monetization and kind of not sticking to one thing. So I think pitching a brands. and again, you'll never hear me tell people, quit your job, like, you know, glamorize that because it's not yeah. fun. Like my like example, my, the nurse that has had tons of success with our program, she's an ICU nurse. She's like, I've never quit my job. Like I love being a nurse. She's like, it's just nice that I get to make an extra five figures, you know, a year for spon- like working with brands in my, in my field. But I do think that, from a monetization perspective, it is always safe to diversify your income and having like multiple like things to fall back on. One thing about working for brands um, that a lot of creators find after they work with a lot and they they start working with less, but at a higher quality. So like one brand partnership a month or one every three or four months, but these are like these bigger campaigns. We're seeing a lot more of that And I think also like in terms of developing your own swag, I'll be honest, like I, I think that where we're at right now, people are still really excited about working with brands. Like the creators that come to me and they're like, you know, I want to pitch. They're not even thinking about swag and merch and courses and creating tangible goods or memberships. Like they're not there yet you know, both of us have a membership program and we both work yep. with brands, and we have courses and we have, I mean, we do, we have so many streams, but we're also like, I'm, I want to say like deep in it when you're first starting off, it's a little overwhelming. Like I didn't have all these revenue sources. When I first started, I built it brick by brick. We just started working with brands ourselves last year, which is so yep. meta to, to think about. Right. So I don't like to overwhelm people with monetization because I do think It kind of creates a false narrative of like, you need to have multiple income streams, but in the beginning, you need to focus on doing one thing and one thing well before you add to yourself because it just gets overwhelming. And then that's burnout and all the things, I don't know. That's just kind of like a personal little touch to it.
0: Yeah. I love that. I I think that's great advice. I agree. Um, I was just talking about this actually again, meta in my membership community, someone was asking me about memberships and I'm like, I'm going to be honest with you. Memberships are the hardest part of my business. It's been the hardest thing for me to figure out. So it's not, we talk about this challenging.
1: How can we do it all at once? Right. So like, how can we, I think it's nice to know, like, these are the different ways. Um, yep. to be like aware of things, but I think that the best advice I've ever gotten from anyone is just like specialization in the beginning. Even before we jumped on TikTok, like we really had to get YouTube like locked in. Yep, um yep. and I say that people, I'm sure with you, like, how do I do all these platforms? And you're like, yep. look, just focusing, doing one really well. And then when you feel like you got your groove, add another, it's kind of the same with monetization. Um I love that. So to not like burn yourself out because working for yourself is very hard and not glamorous and a lot of work. So
0: especially if you want to do it right, like we said, and get these repeat brands, you need to do it like all the way. It shouldn't just be checking a box and like, okay, now onto the next thing, like do it, do it right.
1: Definitely. And I think one of the biggest takeaways I try to think about for brand partnerships, because I work on both sides is, is really the mindset of the creator or influencer, whatever, however you want to call it, um, (laughs) giving value. So I think there's been um, a little bit of a narrative going around, like, oh, there's, I'm sure there's like influencers who are like freeloaders or influencers who, you know, use their influence in a negative way um, to get free stuff or things of that nature. I've heard a lot of that And I think that it just comes down to value. Like, are you providing value to your brand clients, your brand partners? Because if you are thinking about it in that capacity, it helps you kind of understand, like, I am actually, you know, not outside of the numbers, but the work that I do is is valuable. And as long as you kind of always lead with that from a good, honest place, I think that's really where, that's where I'm hoping things will shift where creators, again, seeing themselves as business owners, like almost their own agencies where they're going to start hiring people, um, and scaling and doing it from a place of like service to their client versus like posts be out. So you never, you know, yeah. kind of like, how do you actually bring those results, um, and brainstorm with them?
0: I love it. Okay. So helpful. I feel like I've learned so much. So before we go, please tell everyone, where they can find you tell us a little bit more you've mentioned you know the masterclass a little bit but tell us a little bit more about what services you offer and how they can work with you thank you thank you so
1: we're on all the platforms a sidewalker daily except our podcast that's called influencer confidential um and we also have a podcast so you can find us on the podcast at influencer confidential and then youtube tiktok website sidewalker daily blog all the things pinterest it's too much it's too <laughs> much um In terms of how to work with us, if you are interested in pitching, we do have our Signature Pitching a Brands Master course. This course is really dedicated on two parts of the equation. So first, pitching, and then the second being all the materials you need. So we like teach you how to make a media kit, but we also show you inside the media kit of nine other creators. We teach you how to build those case studies or those proposals. When you're pitching big business, you need a proposal, right? So we teach you how to make those, but we also show you examples. So the media kit section of the course is very visual. It's very like, um, it's, it's really about creating all the assets that you need. And then the pitching course comes with all the pitching, um, not templates. I don't, I know they're not templates, they're pitch examples. So you can learn from example, um, all the things you need to learn about how to either find the right contact or brands to work with, what to put inside your pitch, all that good stuff. So that's our Pitching to Brands Master Course. Um, Our Stepping Stone Course, which is a little bit, uh, it's way smaller. The Pitching to Brands Master Course is like 11 hours. It's crazy. But um, we have a How to Get Brands to Notice You course. This is a mini course. This is for those that aren't pitching. Um, but want to get brands to reach out to them. They're like, still not ready. It's kind of just like a little bit of a stepping stone. Um, it's a mini course. And I think it's really great for those that are kind of just still getting started, but um, not ready to pitch, but want brands to reach out to them. So
0: we put that together. Amazing. Yeah. And I, I have had experience with these I've taken, you know, dabbled into all of these different courses that you offer and they're so good, like seriously, amazing quality, Um, I just think you're so good at explaining things to people and like teaching in a way that is accessible. And so I definitely love them. They'll be linked in the show notes if anyone wants to check them out, as well as all of the Sidewalker Daily socials. So thank you again, Nina. Really appreciate your time today. And I know my audience is going to take some value from this. So thanks again.
1: Thank you. This has been awesome. I'll hope to talk to you soon.